All right, and hello and welcome to RealCon's second webinar in our series titled Celebrating Women and the Diverse Voices of Commercial Real Estate. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your RealCon host for today's webinar, Technologies and, and People That Are Shaping the Industry. This series is unlike any other webinar we've done before and is filled with unique panel of role models. You are definitely in for a real treat. It will likely be one of the most watched as uh, Realcom followers share the links of these recordings with others and others watch it on realcom.com slash webinars, past webinars. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have the best webinar experience possible. Thank you to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A interface to provide comments or questions that you'd like to send to our panel or just send your thoughts to this incredible group of individuals as you learn about their professional journeys. I'll pass along everything to them during the session. In the handout section, you'll find the detailed bios of our panelists uh, from this week and last week, as well as the handouts from last week. Uh, they are minimal with slides, uh, so the slide deck might not be as helpful, but it's there uh, if you can find something. Otherwise, check uh, Realcom website for more details on these webinars and also for future webinars. For the best experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. They can interfere with some of the video component. Uh, if you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, video quality, the best thing to do is to disconnect and then click on the webinar link again. Uh, you can also email Ian Thompson, that's I Thompson, I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything because you'll receive a recording to the webinar uh, later today, so you won't have to wait long. And I've included on this slide, I've included my email address on this page in case you think of a question for our panel, but you're watching this as a recording, just send them to me and I'll forward them along to the group and you know they'll still be able to get back with you. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. That's Accruent, Building Engines, Carrier Bound, Predict AP, and Yardi. We have some promotional videos that I wanna play right up front and they'll provide you with more information about each vendor. Take a look. Managing the full real estate life cycle can be complex. From identifying and selecting new site locations, to overseeing new construction, to managing lease scenarios, to making transaction management decisions, Belucernix IWMS provides cloud-based real estate life cycle management. You can select the solution or solutions that best meet your needs, including LX contracts for lease administration and accounting, LX markets and sites for market planning and site selection, LX projects for construction project management, and LX transaction management for real estate transaction management. Interested in learning more? Fill out the form to access the Lucernix demo videos. You'll discover how Lucernix works, how your teams can benefit from powerful real estate management software, and what makes Lucernix stand out from the crowd. In commercial real estate, success starts with the building. The best-run properties are defined by more efficient teams, more satisfied tenants, and more profitable buildings. Enter JLL's Prism by Building Engines, uniquely designed to help you increase performance from a single building 
to thousands of commercial properties, including core features for best-in-class operations, innovative tools to boost the tenant experience, and unique solutions you won't see from any other property management provider. And the platform's open API infrastructure connects seamlessly with your in-house systems. See why the world's most successful companies have chosen Building Engines. Visit buildingengines.com to schedule a free demo and see the power of Prism today. Confidence is at the heart of everything we do at Carrier. Our systems fill buildings and homes with healthy, clean air. We detect and put out fires and help people stay safe and secure inside. Our innovations keep foods and life-saving medicines cold and fresh until they reach those who need them. At Carrier, we create solutions to help you build a brighter future. Inspiring confidence. Carrier. Everything in real estate accounts payable has been automated, except invoice coding. Coding invoices for approval and payment still relies on manual data entry. It's slow, error-prone, and just not scalable. Predict AP was founded by real estate insiders to automate invoice coding. They tried everything else first, OCR, outsourcing, but every solution fell short of actual coding. Predict AP fully automates invoice coding for real estate companies. Unlike other solutions, Predict AP provides fully coded invoices ready for your existing automated AP workflows. It works with your current AP automation system so you can keep the workflow you already trust. Your AP team can review the coded invoices, revise or accept our predictions, and send to your AP workflow with one click. Get your AP team out of the data entry business and onto higher value work. Automate invoice coding with Predict AP. I love, I just love that Yardy video. It's got me, got me moving already in my chair. So, uh, hope that was jazzy for you. We are grateful, really, for the contributions by these technology partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. So, be sure to include these trusted partners in your vendor evaluation process or vendor selection process. You won't regret it. Our moderator and MC for today's webinar is Susan Jarek. She is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Elm Communities. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Chuck. It's great All to right, be here. It's great working with you again, and we always uh, enjoy having you on. Um, so welcome. And, and you, I just tell you, you've got a fantastic group of people 
uh, assembled for this webinar. So uh, let me get out of the way and I'll come back at the end to close it out. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Chuck. All right, thank you. As I was preparing for this webinar this week, one of the things I had a conversation internally and we were talking about what people always thought about when they thought about careers in real estate. And certainly when I was growing up, people mostly thought about, well, the architecture, construction, engineering side, you know, who, was, who was designing and building the buildings. Then uh, you thought about, well, who was leasing the space? and who was making sure that the building was running properly. But people really didn't think about technology very much when you thought about a real estate career. I mean, I can certainly say, and we've joked about it within my own IT department, none of us, when we were growing up, said, I want to work in IT for a real estate company. But as you will see from listening to our fantastic panel today, there are so many different opportunities to work in technology in real estate. And the stories about how people get there are really inspiring and incredible. I'll start with a very quick overview of my story before I introduce our panel. I am what I call an accidental technologist. My undergraduate degree is in government and economics, so truly I'm a political scientist at heart. I was working at a manufacturing company in technical writing and project management when I was assigned to be a subject matter expert for a software implementation. And I was in love. I found that I really enjoyed what I was doing and it, it showed to leadership in the company. And they said, you know what? We think you should work in IT. So that is the story of my entree into the IT world. I then joined a commercial real estate company in 1995 when I married my husband and was looking for a job here in the Washington DC area and was offered an opportunity with a real estate company to work in some of their technology support for their commercial management organization. And that's when my real estate career launched. So over time, I am very, very fortunate to have worked for a number of real estate companies, done many, many exciting things, and over the past 11 years, have been able to serve as the chief information officer for two publicly traded REITs uh, involved in a number of transformation projects. So I've come a long way uh, from those days in politics, for sure, although we could probably argue that you need a little political background to survive in the real estate industry. But I'm very excited to feature the women that we have today. They're going to talk a little bit about their journeys to get to where they are, uh, what they're accomplishing in the roles that they're especially proud of, some of the support that they've had along the way, and also some of their challenges. So I'm very excited to welcome our first guest, Karen Jalan. She is the Vice President of Sustainability, Energy, Smart Technology at Cadillac Fairview. She is responsible for Cadillac Fairview's award-winning approach to sustainability, climate, energy management, and its smart building technology strategies and execution. She's an industry-leading pioneer in establishing green building standards. Karen, welcome. Oh, thank you, Susan. Thanks for including me today. Absolutely. Well, you also have an interesting journey. Uh, you got your start in a very different industry. So we'd love to have you tell the audience about your origin story. 
oh my origin story um i love feeling like a superhero i think that's how it's or, or maybe a villain the way that you're setting it up <laughs> but um yeah my origin story so just a bit of background on myself and, and my connection to being a, a diverse voice in this industry um i started my my background my career in electrical engineering i spent my early career designing from an electrical perspective uh, major infrastructure water wastewater treatment plants commercial buildings i progressed to working in development commercial real estate and construction and um from there you know working on commercial buildings very early days of sustainability being a, con a conversation i i switched paths to really focusing on where i thought i could drive real change which was around sustainability and eventually to smart technology and you talk about my origin story and, and how i've grown to be you know who I, who I am today and it's it, it's interesting like i'm in my early days in my career i used to joke when i'd leave my my work day and i'd say oh a woman like i haven't seen one of you all day um, i definitely started my career in a very male and, and asian dominated space as in the, the electrical engineering space and um it was very defining and, and every once in a while i asked myself like why did i do that what made me think to be maybe a little bit different from those around me and and this is where i go into my my, my personal story but I, I think it was it was a, a definite decision that I, that I did make. Um, I was telling you the other day that you know when I told my father that I wanted to do electrical engineering, he was you know very technical, and that was his experience. His um, answer was, "Don't do it." Like honestly, it wasn't. I'm proud. It was going to follow my. He was like, "Don't do it." The women I see at work come in. They're smart. They have a lot of experience, and they don't progress in their careers and end up serving coffee and scheduling meetings for everyone there. there. There isn't a lot of growth. And I remember thinking at the time, the beginning of my superhero or villain phase was, that's a different generation. And I'll do this completely differently. And early on, I think the lesson was to do things differently than other women. Not, and you know that changes for me, my, my storyline, but that was it at the time. And it was reinforced. I mean, I remember a few years later, uh, you know, I started a, a new job. They wanted me to speak publicly, which didn't want to do. Still don't always love doing it, but I didn't want to do it. And I attended some sessions with a, a, a female coach who basically, you know, sh showed how males presented and how females presented and said, you know, do the thing that's more confident and, and people align with, which is more like a man. You know, and this is early in my career, probably my early 20s. Um, Susan, like a, a, there, there was a turning point a few years later, still still young in my career, where I received a, an, like a 360 a, a assessment from my peers, my manager, and um, you know that's always a lot on your self awareness journey, right? You go through all these emotions, awareness, denial, happiness, and for me in that review, there was just this one little bullet that said um, that said. Sometimes she seems uncomfortable with management. I wish you would let her real light come through. And for me, I went through this, this moment of thinking to myself, what the hell does that mean? Like, what is that about? I'm very confident. I, I, don't, I don't see that. To a realization that, hmm, you know, isn't everybody uncomfortable? Like, aren't we all in a space where we feel different from everybody else because of our gender or religion or sexuality or, or 
too introverted, too extroverted, whatever the case may be. And for me, I couldn't let go of that idea that maybe people are every day who, who you know, their, their genuine self. And for me, that was that was a game changer in my early career. It was a real moment of um, let's try something different and and try and you know carve out my mo my own path, even though I wasn't seeing that kind of person day to day. Um, and you know, it doesn't didn't flick on for me where where that change came suddenly, but there you know there's definitely been growth, and with that, being your genuine self allowed for confidence allowed for a lot of different forms of wins. Um, in my, you know, as my career moved on, past maybe my origin story, but I've had other women and other people come to me and talk to me about mentorship or working with me or, or for me. And first of all, me. But one of one of the the things I've I've realized in that in, in those moments is amongst other things is you know, I, I wouldn't turn to somebody else and say, don't be genuine or don't or do what everybody else is doing around you or look and be like everyone else. It would be, be your genuine self, be professional, be polished, do all those things. But, you know, let's enhance what you what you come with. And if, if that's being a woman or something else, let, let's embrace that. And so it's been a, it's been a real origin story journey for somebody who who felt different and has been very focused on driving value and and purpose to to my industry is there anything that you would do differently in your career path uh or are you uh, really happy with the way that everything has progressed over time i mean you're doing some really amazing things at cadillac fairview oh thank you i i wish we had a glass of wine and we we're doing this like, a little bit would i your question is would i am i happy and would i do anything differently and for me you know i think the the, the truth is you know i feel very proud that i've been able to build a career focused on environmental sustainability and disrupting technology in, in our space i feel that that you know is, is beneficial and necessary, especially very necessary today. Um, but when I started in that space, maybe this is another version of my origin story, sustainability and smart tech, those weren't careers in commercial real estate. They just weren't. And people thought I was insane that I made this risky change. Like sustainable, we didn't even know what to call. I went from sustainability to including smart technology. And we didn't even know what to call sustainability. I just knew that aligned with my passion and I knew I wanted to do something that was meaningful and part of my passion. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, maybe I was insane, but but you know, now the, the, the world has changed and these are actually real roles. And so I'm proud I took that risk and I feel that I have a meaningful contribution with so much more to do. Like there's just, there, there's endless things to do. I think we're still at the beginning of that journey no matter how many years we put into it. Would I do things differently though along the way? It'd be really hard to be given a, a magic wand and to not, you know, flick it. Um, but uh, it'd be the small things. It, it wouldn't be the little things. And I think about, early, you know, those challenging hard times that, that I'd want to flick that wand at. And they were the early years where I was trying to 
have the case for change for technologies, for smart technology, and why we should care about the environment and how commercial real estate can support that. I mean, that was a big, big sell that people don't you know, take for granted maybe now. Um, and at the same time, you know, on a personally, I mean, I'm sharing a lot of personal uh, information, but I had children relatively young. At the same time, I was dealing with, you know, being a caregiver and balancing out uh, those worlds. But when I look back on that, those were, the, those were the great times. They were messy. I mean, mistakes. It was challenging. And I have to say, the reason why I got into smart tech because, was because, um, after, you know, after a while, when people start to believe in environmental sustainability having value in, in my space, nobody was fighting with me. It was boring. And so what I've learned over the years is the challenges are where, where it's exciting, where it's fun, because you learn and you grow and you take those bumps and your bruises if you're open to them and accepting of them and, and hopefully you apply them forward. So it's hard, I don't know, give me the wand, I don't know. But but I, I would I would hope that I would just accept those challenges and, and apply them. Karen, that is a fantastic story. And I know that you are an inspiration, not only for your children, but for everyone who works around you. Thank you so much Thank for you. telling your story. And uh, I'm going to bring on our next guest. And we may see you a bit later during the Q&A. Thank you. Our next guest is Lisa Gibbons. I'm delighted to introduce her. She is the Director of Customer Success at Accruent. She's an experienced leader focused on customer advocacy to drive retention. She believes the best partnership with their customers is when they are seen as a trusted advisor and advocate. And Lisa, one of the things that you talked about is you have a lot of transferable skills. So you also started your career in a very different place in a different way. So we'd love for you to share your origin story with everyone. Thank you, Susan. And I think we have to um, agree that Karen is absolutely a superhero, not a villain. So uh, I love hearing her story. And yes, we have so many similarities, even though there are differences. I actually started my career in financial services. I worked for one of the largest insurance companies in Canada for a very long time and um, loved all of my years there. Shortly um, after about 15 years there, I had an opportunity to move to the US. So um, my husband and I relocated our family and we came to Austin, Texas. It was not part of our journey that we had planned, but we took on the challenge and was thrilling, exciting, huge change. And sort of thought for a moment, is this an early retirement for me? And um, I chose no, that wasn't the case. Uh, so I had the opportunity to step into a role at Accruent, and what I would say about the journey of when I started and I was interviewing for that opportunity, I was changing careers completely. It was a, a new space for me, and I saw transferable skills in the work that I had done and the work that was coming to me in customer success. And what I would say in that time was I had a leader who saw that in me and believed in me. So. Maggie Key, I don't think you're on this call, but thank you for believing in me and taking a chance. And, and what I recall about that opportunity is it wasn't just on Lisa, but it was on a very diverse group of people uh, that we, I know, created a foundation and a culture of diversity that was extremely important to me at that time. I stepped into um, technology and, and the software business that was new to me to some extent and apply those transferable skills and 
honed in on this customer success avenue, which was new and, and an industry that was growing. And it was an opportunity for me to not only have a new journey, but also knew what it meant to look for people in a diverse way. So I was absolutely coming into this as a second career and um, I'm aligned with Karen. I was often in the room as the only woman, most of the time the oldest woman in the room. And so it taught me a lot about myself and it was absolutely a journey that I am thankful for and very thankful for the leaders ahead of me who took those opportunities to, to give people um, the chance and to see more than perhaps what you might see written out on an application or a resume. I'm very thankful for that. Lisa, I think you have served as a, a mentor and a sponsor and an advocate for a number of people. And one of the things that you were telling us about is a communications program that you've used. And I think that our audience would love to hear more about the insights discovery and how you've used that in your career. Oh, we love the insights discovery program at Accruent. And what we have leveraged is it's a software tool where you um, look at how you want to communicate internally with your team, how you want to be communicated with, and, and how you respect each other in that manner. And this tool allows you to really do a deep discovery on your style of communication. And it's through a series of questions, a series of, of, of self-discovery, and then an opportunity to then look at your team, and that can be your smaller team or your broader organization, and allows you to understand your communication styles. You're able to then apply that, obviously, broader through your bigger company, and then with your clients and your relationships. And I think some of us even take them to the relationships in our personal lives. So you start to learn about how everyone's communication style is different. And um, it allows you, I think, to be more empathetic and to be more curious with the people around you and to understand, for example, when you receive an email that might be very blunt or short, it's not rude, it's actually just their style. And it, that's a very simplified example, uh, but that was part of the insights program that we were um, partnering with that, uh, insights profile organization because it allowed us as an organization to understand our communication styles and we anchored our communication across the organization that way and then you're able to then of course apply it to your communication with your clients which in customer success is everything we do is building the relationships with our clients so it allows you to use those tools to establish a strong communication pattern with your clients executives um, as well as um, all of us worker bees. So I think that respecting communication and taking the time to educate yourself on the styles that everyone has is extremely important to build the tools, even things like Karen was saying, allowing you to navigate yourself with your um, peers and your teams. It was, it, it's a tremendous tool. Yeah, really, both of you have, have emphasized that authenticity. And you know, it sounds like the, you know, really establishing that people can feel comfortable communicating in the style that they feel best ties back into that. What, what are some of the challenges uh, that you've had to overcome or things that you've learned that you'd like to share with our audience today? Oh, it's, you know, it's funny when I hear Karen speak, I, I think I'm almost the exact opposite of her. I, I do feel that being genuine and authentic is one of my strengths, but I think it's a strength that um, has 
probably taken me down paths that it shouldn't have. As a child, I was probably grounded a lot quicker than everybody else around me in my family because I was a terrible liar and I still am to this day. I don't have a very good poker face. So if you want to play cards with me, I will lose because I'm terrible at it. I'm a terrible liar. So what I would say that it served me well is um, authentic to the core. You are certainly always going to understand where I am coming from and where I'm probably need to learn more from Karen is, is probably hold my cards a little closer and be a little more um, guarded with my emotions. There's no question I do not do that well, but it's a journey. It's an opportunity for growth for me. Um, I think what I would say to my younger self is, um, I think, I don't want to generalize it as women, but I think as as women and, and myself as someone who would say I'm a people pleaser, I think as a younger self, you tolerate a lot of behavior in especially the working world that I would have said was part of the journey of earning my place. It wasn't my time yet. And I think my um, more mature self would say, uh, I wouldn't tolerate as much as I think I had, and I'd be more assertive. I think people are drawn to people that are confident with what you know, and I would tell myself, have your voice, be confident with what you know, and don't be afraid to assert yourself. But I also find on the flip side, I am drawn to people who are very confident with what they don't know as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to come across stronger, whether you're at the beginning, middle, or the end of your journey in your career. And I think as women, I just have to say, don't be the note taker if you don't want to be in these rooms of, of, of executives. We always fall into those roles. So while that's a tactical, simple example, I know our group, when we talked, um, we all agree that those are some of the little things that we just, if you don't want to tolerate it, don't. Um, and yes, you have to earn your stripes, but you'll find your way and kind of trust your gut on what feels right. And, and perhaps don't be that note taker if it doesn't feel like the right thing to do for you. Lisa, those are such good life lessons, career lessons for everybody in our audience. Um, I think your story is fantastic. And I love um, all the great advice that we've been able to cram into just a few minutes. Thank you so much. We'll be bringing you back during our Q&A. We are going to move on to our next guest, Abigail Shockley. She's the Director of Enterprise Data at RPT Realty. She's been working in the data world since 2015. Uh, as the Director of Enterprise Data, she plays a key role in how data is governed and used to support business decisions. And I'm also going to throw something in there that's not in her bio. She has a PhD in physics. So I need to know, can I call you Dr. Abby? You you can. I don't ask people <laughs> to, but I won't I won't correct it if you use it. <laughs> well, Dr. Shockley, um, <laughs> you have worked in a lot of different industries before coming to commercial real estate. Uh, we would love to hear more about your origin story and your career path, especially um, you don't many, meet many PhDs in physics in commercial real estate these days. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair. So I got my PhD in 2013. So physics has a lot of like math and problem solving and that kind of thing. And I had explored going down academic route to be a professor and what that would look like and at the time had decided you know 
I don't really want to move places every like three years to a new state or a new country because I, I did work in France for a little while as well. Um, that seemed too hard. So I decided it would be better to switch to industry and try to get um, data science and data. Those kinds of data jobs are really starting to take off around the, let's say like 2012 kind of area. So you would see it was a lot of startups really heavily involved in data, a lot of big tech companies, but not so much other industries. So I had started at a medical startup uh, and I built an AI program for them. They were actually a software company and not really like the software company that provided software to medical stuff. And it's funny, like when you're in the data department, because you're not really IT, but you're not really part of the business. And so people don't necessarily know what to do with you. So you kind of have to figure out how to balance. You know, I need to talk about technical stuff because that's part of it, but I need to make sure the business understands if they're going to be selling work that I'm doing, like they have to understand like what it means and what the limitations are and all of those kinds of things before they're going out and promising big things to clients. Um, and, you know, I think starting at a software company really helps you get that ground floor of here's all of my technical skills, um, but you also get like the sales portion too, right? So after that, I did cybersecurity at General Motors uh, for a couple of years. So that was really interesting to work at a big fortune, like they're a fortune 10 company. So they're huge, they have people all over, but their data platform was still really new so at the time their IT department was building out their own like core data platform so it's how do you go, come into a big environment and figure out uh, my manager used to call it who's who in the zoo so how would you how do you figure out who's who in the zoo like who do you need to go talk to how do you make yourselves like stand out in a company that is as big as GM and how do you figure out like, you know, what people are doing, what the technologies are, especially because at that time, again, I wasn't in IT, I was in the engineering department. And so we didn't have the resources. No one on my team did what I did. So I had to figure out like, how do I make this work when no one knows what I'm supposed to be doing or why I'm here or what resources to give me, I have to go out, find it all for myself. Um, and so some of that, like having that background, uh, having a PhD really helps you go figure out, you know, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? I'm just gonna drive this myself and I'm gonna figure it out because there's no one around that can help me all that much without me finding who I need to talk to. Um, and so that's, you know, as I was looking to grow in my career, that's when I came to RPT, like they were looking for somebody, they'd been working with consultants before who had built out their data warehouse, but they were looking to have that in-house person who could help work with the executive team, like guide them, try to help them figure out like what's easy to do, what's difficult, how do we make things work in a way that people are gonna accept, right? Because I think, Anybody in technology has probably experienced that project that, you know, it was a great idea and we spent all this money to do it and then we released it to people and it didn't have the right support and it failed. Um, so I hate those kinds of projects. So I think one of the things that you can really do as a technology professional is like 
get into how the business works, what they're doing so that you can figure out like, how do I take something that I'm making and start incorporating it into business flow so that it gets adopted better. And so that I would say, um, I came from the PhD, like you have to teach people, like that's how they pay you actually, like you don't pay for your PhD, but they do pay you to go teach classes. So one of the things that you learn is, how do you deal with a bunch of people who are going to have questions that like you would have never thought of and they're going to get stuck on things that you would have never anticipated and you need to guide them but you don't like you're not supposed to lecture you're supposed to guide and help them figure out what works best for them uh, and so i think a lot of those skills really translate very well into what you do as a technology technology professional right is how do i help guide the conversation without pushing it too far and make sure that you know the investments that we're getting in technology are really doing what we wanted them to do as, as the end result right absolutely and when you think about it i mean wow what different kinds of organizations to do this kind of work in um what are if you were to think back and you were to change anything in your journey, is there anything that you would do differently in your career choices and you know the way that you navigated um, you know the different environments? Is there anything you'd change? You know, like it's really hard to say because um, I always think like when you look back, it's easy to say I would have done this, that, or the other differently. But sometimes you were also constrained by you know different things when you were working in those environments. Um, so, like, I think that people should never be afraid to to speak up, right? So if you're having a like if you're having an issue at work if you don't have good direction if you need something like say it but say it in uh again because i come from a physics background so we're pretty um physicists are are uh, pretty forward with what they think so they tend to tell like they tend to not blush if you want to say that's a stupid idea why did you even say that like that's just kind of the culture there so you also like coming from that culture you have to learn like how do i ratchet that back a little bit because i want to say like i need more direction but also you don't want to be like you know everyone around me is stupid so you gotta like work on how do you fit into different cultures because every time you move between different companies or you know different industries you're gonna have like slightly different rules of engagement that are acceptable and it can be really hard to figure out like how do i adjust to this new place and you know bring the right level that people are going to hear me and take me seriously that makes sense and i think you're know, coming from a stem background it's it's really fascinating to think about your crossover into business and strategy and really being able to align with with all different types of backgrounds. In fact, I uh, am mentoring a graduate student who has a STEM background, but she is now in business school. And she's really struggling a little bit with the fact that, you know, one plus one, there's not always two. It can be 
lots and lots of different answers. And she said, this is really hard. What kind of advice would you have for someone that is trying to really straddle that STEM and, and business strategy uh, thought process? Because they're very, very different. Yeah, and it's a tough adjustment to go like because you're going into a place in business, there's not a right answer, right? So and like you're also most of the time you might be the smartest in the room at technology, but you're not the smartest in the room. And you're definitely not gonna going to understand like everything about the business nuances. So I tell people like when they're coming from academia, you really or, you know, a really strong STEM background, like you have to be prepared to take a step back, like try to listen to others more and then don't worry as much uh, like it's hard right? to worry about, as much about the technical solution, like try to figure out like, you know, how how are we going to make this work? Right. Because you can have the world's best technical solution that doesn't provide any business value. And that's going to not work out well in the long run if you do that enough times. Um, and then to be prepared for a pace change, too, because I think in the in industry world with different businesses, they all move at their own pace, but they all move faster than an academic environment does. So you really want have to want that in your life. Like you have to want to, you know, be juggling a couple of different things and be ready to, you know, pick up the pace and do more things. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Shockley, you have been a delightful guest. I love being able to call you that. Um, and we'll be bringing you back for the Q&A at the end. Thank you so much for your insights. I know that it, it is really helpful for people to see all of these fantastic journeys. So I'll bring on our next guest, uh, Vid Vidya Balakrishnan uh, from JLL. She is the Vice President of Software Engineering for Building Engines. Um, she is the Head of Engineering for Property and Asset Management Technologies. She's an innovative product and technology leader with 20 plus years experience in the building and leading of global data analytics and engineering teams across commercial real estate and other industries. And you also, like, all of our panelists beforehand, you've been in a number of different industries as well, Vidya. I think telling your origin story is going to be fascinating for our audience as well. Thank you. Um, going down the memory lane, um, started about 25 plus years back as a developer. Uh, I've always enjoyed problem solving, so I thought, um, you know, the best way to exercise those skills was to, you know, build solutions, technology-based solutions for, you know, client needs. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in a family, um, I was with three sisters, where my dad, right from our young days, instilled in us that, hey, you cannot be a note taker, you know, you, there's so much potential to all of you that you have to do the best and, you know, you'd rather be somebody who gives notes than be the note taker. So that kind of was, you know, stuck in my head as I kind of, you know, chose my career path and I kind of um, grew along. Um, I have worked in multiple industries, uh, telecom to begin with, and then auto finance. Uh, I was in the travel industry for about 10 plus years before I moved to the commercial real estate. Um, and in each of these um, industries, I have kind of uh, led global transformation, digital transformations. I have managed like uh, enterprise data analytics teams and then engineering teams. Now, one of the advantages being on the engineering side of the house is 
the problems that is there around technology stack or you know the scale or you know data consistency those are some common problems that irrespective of the industry when you're on the engineering side you have those problems so the lesson learned in one is you know is always useful to be you know um uh, to be used in other areas so uh so that really kind of helped pave you know uh, my path as i came along um i think the i've been in the commercial real estate now for about a couple of years and i'm enjoying every minute of it uh, the road to getting here was not always easy uh you know it was uh, a lot of uh, i would say self-awareness continuous improvement uh and uh, learning from some of the best in class as we go along um 25 plus years back, like close to the Y2K time when I started my career, I was, uh, I came in as an immigrant minority woman. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of times that's many of our, you know, uh, panelists actually talked about, I was the only woman in the meetings. And even today, sometimes I'm the only woman in the meetings. And, um, you know, I was trying to make a place for myself and I didn't fully appreciate the different perspective that I bring uh, and the unique, uh, you know, the uniqueness of my background till actually one of my male colleagues pointed it out to me and said, hey, you should know that you are bringing a lot to the table in terms of you know, everything, uh, the, your background and, you know, the perspective and, you know, the education and all that. So that was eye opening for me, you know, to say that and especially to hear it from a colleague who was, you know, very supportive of my journey in my career. Right. So. Um, to me, I, I felt like as women, we always tend to be very execution focused. I think uh, we all have this natural sense of ownership and we pour everything into like, you know, what we do. Um, and uh, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, helped me in some ways because, you know, your results do the talking, but also stood in my way in terms of, uh, hey, you have to also lift up your head and talk to what you're doing. And uh, uh, it's not necessarily to toot your horn or anything like that, but you know, it's, it, uh, you need to bring the right levels of visibility into what you're doing. Uh, and I think many of our, you know, uh, panelists uh, brought this up. Be very authentic. You don't have to change, you know, who you are. Uh, but it is important to be an advocate and you know, educate people around you because uh, a lot of people don't you know, bring in biases uh, intentionally. It is mostly unconscious or it's just what they are being exposed to. So, so and it has been an interesting journey uh, in terms of, you know, how to get here. But now I love being here. I absolutely love being here, especially in the commercial real estate space. Um, I mean, we are at the cusp of so many innovative things, right? We talked about sustainability. I think it's going to be huge in terms of where it goes. Uh, the smart buildings and, you know, where that can take us, the digital twin technologies and where that can take us. And um, this big splash around Gen AI and the solutions that that can bring to the table, right? So uh, it's exciting to be in the space and, you know, the journey has been fantastic. Well, Vidya, one of the things our audience doesn't know about you that I have up my sleeve is that you are a neuroleadership coach. You've taken that kind of training. Can you talk a little bit about what spurred you to do that and how you apply that in your workplace? Absolutely, Susan. Um, I think as with all of us, right, in our journey, we have a lot of people that we rely on to learn from, right? You have your mentors, you have your peers, you have your bosses. Um, and I think I have had a very good share of those. And I don't believe that any of us can be successful without having that group of well-wishers uh, around us. Um, so, and 
as I was talking about the road to getting where I was, there was a lot of self-awareness and continuous improvement that we, you know, that was part of the journey. So apart from learning from the best in class and the role models, um, one of the things I also kind of spent time and effort on is really some of the training that I took. Um, and uh, there were quite a few actually that really helped me, you know, leadership training. But the one that really stood out was the neuroleadership uh, training. And uh, it was a good training because it really talked about the neuroscience behind thinking and productivity and all of that. Um, in fact, one of my first thoughts when I actually uh, got trained was that I should have done this before I became a parent. You know, <laughs> I would have, you know, had a better luck with all the conversations I had with my teenage daughter and teenage son. Um, but it's a, it's a fantastic uh, way of just handling conversations. Um, and the conversations are handled with the intent of bringing out the best in the, in, you know, in the people and in your team. It's, it's really a productivity booster. Uh, it's called brain-based conversations. Um, in fact, I might even have a book here that I can show, show our audience here. This is, I think David Rock is, um, you know, he actually founded the Neural Leadership Institute and um, I, I love the training. Uh, and uh, I've also had the opportunity after completing the training to coach a couple of, you know, um, folks who are like in their early career. Um, and it has been very effective in terms of just how do people think and how do we really change the thinking to get to that wow moment, the, what they call is the elimination where people end up solving the problems that are in front. It's a very innovative way of solving it, which perhaps if you're just embroiled in you know, your own, hey, this is a problem, how am I going to solve it? You probably don't think of that solution, right? So really eliciting that from your team members and from your team, right? Uh, it really kind of um, gave me that perspective. Uh, and it's, it, it was really uh, eye-opening for me as I went through that training. You know, one of the things that you have said is that we all grow by learning from others. And, and this came up when we were talking about sponsors and mentors and, and other people in our lives. Is there anyone that really stands out or is it really a team effort in all the different places you've worked? Um, for me, I mean, there were several people that I know I owe my growth and success to. Um, one of the things I do want to call out is as uh, as i grew in the leadership ranks serving the teams i think was one of the great learning opportunities too uh, i think in my journey and also being on the engineering side of the house always had the opportunity to kind of manage global teams uh, teams that were spread across the globe and uh, and it, it kind of really uh, brings about a lot in terms of understanding how the team works, understanding the differences in culture, understanding the diversity and how do we communicate, especially when, you know, very rarely you see them in person or you never see them in person. How do you kind of, you know, get the maximum out of them, which is because every member of your team should be feeling very fulfilled in what they're doing and should understand that, you know, they are in a place where their personal growth is very important and critical, right, uh, along with the growth of the company. So um, just how in terms of just managing these teams interacting with them um, and that to me was a very good opportunity to really understand myself better understand my leadership you know styles and then hone in the skills that was you know really resulting in you know maximum uh, productivity from the teams absolutely i you know what an inspiration you are in being able to work with people in so many different industries you know spread out all over the place 
Um, we look forward to having you back for the Q&A and thank you so much for telling your great story to our thank audience you. today. Thank you. I am now going to bring on Brittany White. She is the Vice President of Technical Applications for Bridge Investment Group uh, for Predict AP. She has been uh, with uh, Bridge Investment Group for nearly a decade, and um, she has a really, really exciting origin story. She has uh, spent time demonstrating a strong commitment to leveraging technology to enhance business operations. And Brittany, you, uh, unlike a lot of our other uh, panelists, you actually started out in commercial real estate. And so we'd love to hear your origin story because I think it shows a different picture from what we've heard so far. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Um, I do feel like my story is definitely um, a little more unique in that sense that I, I've only been in commercial real estate since being out of college. Um, when I graduated from college, I had a degree in health science and I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with that degree. I um, had no job after college, and so I moved home to my mom's house. I was there for maybe three days and decided that was not going to work. So um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I packed my car and I drove to Atlanta, Georgia, and I have been here ever since. Um, so I got here, had no job, no place to live, and no idea where to begin. Um, a random recruiter found my resume online and she reached out to me and she asked me if I would be open to, to interviewing for a particular company. Um, and she called them and said that, you know, I have someone I want to schedule with you. And they ended up being closed that week. So she asked me if I would be willing to do some practice interviewing. And I said, sure, I would love to. Um, figured can't hurt to get some practice in. And so I went in and I interviewed and that was kind of the rest is history. Um, I look back now and I get a pretty good laugh because when I accepted my position, my, my first position with this company was a tenant services coordinator. And when I walked out of the interview, I still had no idea what commercial real estate was. <laughs> But I really liked who I interviewed with, the, the, the company that I interviewed with, the people that I met, and I just felt like that's where I needed to be. And so I accepted this position and I started working and I had the opportunity, we were smaller at the time, to really learn a little bit about each different department that makes up this company and, and how it works. And um, I got to learn the basics of, of the industry. And in a short time period, I was going from doing tenant services coordinator kind of admin functions to um, learning the back of backside of accounting. And again, had no accounting background, but the, the lady that took me under her wing told me she would teach me everything I needed to know. And um, she really gave me that opportunity. So as I worked my way through the accounting team, I, you know, I started as a junior accountant, accountant eventually made my way up to um, an accounting manager where I got to start to really dig into different opportunities of how can we improve and how can we make what we're doing more streamlined and better. And um, I was given the chance to really focus on implementing different technologies, specifically at that time focused around accounting. And after doing a few implementations and a few database conversions, I realized I loved 
doing that. It was fun. It was challenging. I got to help find solutions to problems and, and improve our company. And I also got to help our company adopt technology, um, keeping us you know, current. So accounting gave me that unique foundation to allow me to understand what I was doing. And then um, I just continued to work um, from there. So about a year and a half ago, I became the um, vice president of technical applications. And I, I truly believe that, you know, from being with this company for so long and, and them seeing my work ethic, they were able to believe and, and agree that this was a role that I could do. Um, and, you know, it's crazy in this last year, I've gotten to work with all of our departments. I've gotten to work with incredible companies and vendors and consultants. And I've gotten to, you know, help our departments roll out things like automating, uh, automating our coding of invoices, tracking construction projects projects, enhancing, you know, our tenant engagement across our commercial assets. And, and most recently, we've been leading the way in um, implementing mobile credentials for our buildings. So for, for tenants to have a streamlined way to get into the building, the list goes on and on. But, you know, it's really exciting to be in that technology role where it's changing every day and, and we've got to adapt to it and continue to learn in, in order to be a part of that change. And Brittany, you know, your experience in the different areas of your organization and having an opportunity to touch so many different functions contributes to your success today. And I think that is such a fantastic career story. When you think about it, what challenges have you had? Is there anything that you would do differently or that you look back and say, oh, I wish I did that or I wish I didn't do that? Anything that you could share with our audience today? So it's funny that you asked that. I don't think I would change anything to the state that I have done. Um, I would spend that question a little bit more. Uh, I, I truly believe that in order to succeed and to be somewhere and, and to truly grow and, and earn your respect, you have to put in the time and you have to put in those hours and the hard work. And I don't regret doing any of that. And there's a time in your life that you can do that. And, and I've been fortunate enough that this is that time that I've been able to do it. I would say now going forward, um, what I'm trying to teach myself is to be okay with having a little bit of a work-life balance and reminding myself that if I get an email at five o'clock at night, I can answer it tomorrow. I don't have to answer it tonight. Um, and just, you know, trying to have a little bit more of a balance and, and be open to decompressing and getting outside of work a little bit because I, I feel like I've invested a lot into the day-to-day, the -day, um, but I don't think I would change anything to be where I am because the only way I'm here is because of that, what I've done today. That I I love that, and I think you know no matter no matter where we are in our career, uh, so many of us have have challenges with figuring out you know where are those boundaries and um, you know how do we how do we advocate for ourselves? Um, mm -hmm. And I know that you you have talked about that along with your journey. You talked about a a mentor and a sponsor that you had as you were coming up in your career. Can you can you highlight how that's really been so meaningful for you as you've grown in your career over the past ten years? Yes, I, I've had a couple um, really really meaningful people in my career. Um, obviously, the first person that hired me and took me under her wing and taught me everything I needed to know to, to really learn the foundation um, of accounting 
without that chance that she took on me, I, I would not have been here. She opened the door. She gave me that chance. She made me work for it, but she gave me that chance. Um, and then I'd say even now, so, you know, my, my current boss that I have, you know, I went to him and said, this is what I want to do. And he watched me over the last few years and he, he saw my growth and he saw how invested I was and, and how much I wanted to succeed at this. And so he knew that this was an opportunity and a role that I could fill. And he gave me that opportunity. So I would say I've been very fortunate to have really strong leaders um, and, and coworkers to work with. That is fantastic, Brittany. Is there any advice that you would give our audience for finding those people, whether they're inside your company or outside your company? You know, how do you how do you find those people that will will help you along in your career and and you know be that that cheerleader, that person that gives you perspective, that mm -hmm. that guiding force? I truly think it is being open and being honest. Um, I started my career and didn't realize that you know sometimes you have to have a filter and, and sometimes you do um but i was able to be from the very get-go very honest and open and i feel like that's what helped build those relationships and build that trust i like others i have no poker face so on my face you can read everything and it's funny now because people will be in meetings and they'll be like we know exactly what she's thinking because it's all over her face. So I would just say being honest and open and, and, and trusting that there are people out there and, and asking for what you want and going and having those conversations. That's what's going to build those relationships. Brittany, I love your story. And I know that everyone who's heard it is really going to benefit from your perspective and, and all of the different things that you've done in commercial real estate. Thank you so much for being on the panel and we'll be bringing you back for the Q&A. I'm going to introduce our next panelist, Jennifer Besky, who's the Associate Director of Digital Strategy and Operations uh, for the Digital Foundry, which I love that name, for Carrier Abound. Uh, so Jennifer leads strategy and research for Digital Foundry, a cross-disciplinary team focused on building its next-gen digital offerings. She's responsible for growing the company's design research and product strategy practice by applying design thinking, lean and agile methodologies to discover innovative opportunities for the built environment. And Jennifer, look, we all know Carrier. I bet it would be very, very hard to find anybody in our audience in the US, as a matter of fact, that doesn't know the name Carrier. In fact, I think that's my um, heat pump at home. Um, but none of us, myself included, realized everything that went in to the experience that I know of having, you know, a cool or a warm house. So we would love to hear your origin story and more about what you're doing at Carrier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's well, interesting, Susan, is you were talking about your background and referred to yourself, I believe, what was it, an accidental technologist? I thought, yes, that's me too. Um, <laughs> so I, I, it really resonated with me because I actually started my career in interior design. So I was running my own residential interior design business and it didn't have a name for me at the time, but it was my first exposure to user-centered design or human-centered design. So getting to know my clients, observing how they lived in their spaces, hearing about their needs, and then designing um, spaces that, that would serve them and their lifestyles well. 
And I just, I loved it. Um, and it was so great to kind of peek into people's lives uh, in that solutioning process. But after a couple of years of running the business, I was really craving use of the, the very strategic part of my brain. And it was only partially being used. So uh, I ended up going back to school in a dual degree program here in Chicago that was both focused on um, design and innovation as well as a traditional MBA. So historically, um, the way, and I'm going to oversimplify the way the business world works is people would create something and then try to convince others, their customers, to buy it, that they needed it. And this program is really focused on flipping that and saying, let's understand the problems that our customers are trying to solve, the needs that they have, and let's build solutions that are addressing those needs. Because then by the time it comes to market, you already know that there's demand for it. Um, and so it was a great program after which I went into innovation consulting. So I was doing this blend of business strategy and design thinking for uh, clients in all sorts of industry, and this is where I really got um, a heavy boot camp in technology and in digital, and loved it. Um, and and decided uh, after really seeing a wide variety of industries and working on a lot of project types that I was excited about bringing new products and markets to serve products and services to market. Excuse me. Um, and so I joined Carrier because I was so excited about the work that's being done in climate and energy uh, solutions and thinking about built environment as well as the cold chain. So now, uh, as we think about the carrier bound product, which is really a data platform helping building operators kind of optimize across health, sustainability, and sort of asset or equipment performance metrics, uh, I get to spend my days speaking with those building operators, understanding what they're trying to achieve, how they're trying to achieve it, and how we can build uh, new solutions in our platform that help them get to those outcomes. Um, so I'm very lucky, but it, again, it's sort of that unconventional path that it sounds actually like a lot of our panelists today had kind of a, a unexpected starting point. Absolutely, and like I said, I mean, who, who knew that there was somebody behind the, the air that we have in our buildings, our homes, all of that. that. That is just, when I learned more about what you're doing, I was so excited and really fascinated. I mean, you, you have had a lot of different opportunities. Uh, you've, you've, had, you've worked with so many different people. When you think through your mentors and sponsors and advocates through your career, any particular people or groups stand out? to you? Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, the answer is absolutely and too many to name. Um, I've certainly had managers and mentors, both officially and unofficially, who were trusted advisors who would give me the kind of feedback that you might cringe the moment that you get it, but then 30 seconds later be like, I'm really fortunate that somebody has my best interest at heart and would share that with me so that I can continue to improve. Um, so I've been very lucky to have those folks um, let me know when I wasn't being ambitious enough or selling myself a little bit short. But when I think back on sort of the really big learning moments, I think a big part of it was many of my roles have involved working with folks coming from incredibly different backgrounds and perspectives. So designers, researchers, strategists, technologists, um, folks with different life experiences. And 
being able to spend time in a room with folks who fundamentally see things very differently from the way I do has been one of the sort of greatest learning opportunities. Um, and it's also taught me that sort of no matter the seniority of the team members, whether someone has two days, two years, two decades of work experience, they have something to teach you. And if you walk into any room you're in with that attitude of what can I learn from everyone else, um, work is one, a lot more fun and enjoyable, but there's sort of endless opportunity for, for growth along the way. And so that's been really important. I think that's fantastic. And it sounds like it, you have not only worked in, but you have been responsible for creating those kinds of environments where people can feel comfortable speaking up and people can feel comfortable sharing their ideas. Along the way, though, have there been challenges? Have there been, you know, things that um, have been have been tough? Yeah. Does anyone ever say no? To that question, <laughs> I would love to meet someone who did. Um, there have, I think, uh, one of the big things that was maybe a roadblock, or maybe like once I kind of cracked the nut, things became a lot easier. Was um, asking for what you want and sort of recognizing that there uh, are a lot of people who want to help you achieve what you're looking to do, but the reality is nobody is paying as much attention to your career trajectory as you are, nor should they, right? We're, we're responsible for our own paths ultimately. But if you start to communicate what you're looking for, what transferable skills you're bringing, what you bring to the table and what you're looking to do for the next organization that you're gonna be a part of or team you're gonna be a part of, when you start to vocalize that and when I started to vocalize that, all of a sudden I noticed there was so much more momentum in opportunities presenting themselves and it wasn't because I had fundamentally changed in my skill set or who I was or how I interacted with my team members, but it was recognizing that it was all in my head that I knew where I wanted to go and what I could offer. But until I started uh, kind of vocalizing it to others who were in my community and in my network, of course, nobody would know to connect those dots to say, oh, Jen might be interested in this. And so that was a big uh, lesson that kind of started as an invisible roadblock and then once it was taken down it was kind of looking back on oh oh that's interesting yep okay that's that's how you get momentum in these sorts of uh conversations i jennifer i love that and you know digital innovation is probably something that everybody on this panel probably the people in in our audience today uh have a have a good understanding of what they mean but you've probably worked with some people that you've had to convince like what what digital innovation is and what value it brings. What's that experience been like? Um, yeah, it's sort of the best uh, test of you as a specialist in the environment, right? To not just tell somebody, but actually bring them along for the, for the journey. And uh, I won't even say convince, but turn, turn clients and colleagues into evangelists. Um, so, it's interesting, for much of my career, I'd say the, the good news is people have come and entered my sort of orbit knowing that digital was important. They just didn't necessarily know how or what or what do we do about it, just that it was something that needed um, to be considered um, and to varying degrees knew what that might look like for their organization. And certainly, um, Carrier has this fantastic 
digital transformation and all of these great platforms that are being built. So they really understand it. But I think there are all these ways to bring folks along in the process. And it's one of the things too that I love about um, design research and design thinking is as a methodology, it, it brings you to your end users and you can also bring colleagues or clients into that process of hearing what your customers are saying so that they start getting firsthand understanding of what the opportunity is and why this is important and sparks these ideas of what solutions could be. Um, and so that has been maybe the most effective tool of getting buy-in to transformation, understanding the roadmap and where we're heading and getting, getting everybody to sort of stack hands and get excited about the future is to actually have it be um, very collaborative and where everybody on your core and extended team is going all the way from insights from your end user through, through solution, designing and implementing it so that there's a strong sense of ownership at the end. Jennifer, I think you know you have such great perspective, and I think your gift too is that you bring out uh, the perspectives of others, and I think that's so inspirational for everybody who's listening to us today. We look forward to bringing you back for the Q and A, and we are going to move on to our final panelist. Uh, certainly, uh, last but not least at all, Patty Evans. She's an industry principal with the Aspire platform at Yardi. She is passionate about developing and delivering innovative training solutions that empower people with industry knowledge and skill mastery through personalized and experiential learning. She has 25 plus years of industry experience and she oversees the sales, marketing and product strategies for the Yardi Aspire Learning Management Solution. And Patty told us that she is actually employee number 173 at Yardi, and now Yardi has over 7,000 employees. Is that right, Patty? Yes, over 8,600 worldwide. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So changes here. <laughs> you, um, you are definitely uh, one of the ground floor founders, but you had an interesting journey getting there. You didn't start out in in the training and learning space. We'd love uh, for you to share with our audience your origin story. I'd be happy to, you know, similar to Lisa and Vidya, my journey has been a little twisty and I've really needed to be able to adapt and respond to the changes as they've come along. So uh, to tell a little bit about my past, um, I started uh, with my time at UCSB, go Gauchos, uh, where my academic focus was a double major in environmental sciences and geography. And my emphasis, though, was in urban planning. What really interested me uh, was in the notion of introducing science, scientific analysis into environmental impact reports using geographic information systems, or GIS, which was really new at the time. Um, that technology uh, was um, used to synthesize data to produce better, more informed decisions uh, in comp planning. And uh, really, also, I was very fascinated with the idea of describing complex information in a very simplistic way so that the community could understand uh, what the impacts of, um, of our decisions, the community's decisions would be. So I continued developing my skills and experiences with roles with the Environmental Defense Center here in Santa Barbara, as well as the Santa Barbara County Comprehensive Planning Department. 
But unfortunately, budget cuts across the state prompted my transition away from that industry and into the software industry, which was a great change. I took on a technical role at Ericsson, which is a Swedish uh, telecom telecommunications company. Um, and then once again, unfortunately, seven years later, uh, worldwide economic changes drove Ericsson to shut down all North American operations, which prompted yet another career change. Um, so I leveraged my personal experience with managing my own rental properties and managing one of our family restaurants um, that allowed me to take those transferable skills and put them to work um, together with my my experiences um, to move into a corporate training role here at Yardi uh, 20 years ago. So over the past two decades here at Yardi, I've seen so much change, as you can imagine. I've been dedicated in my time here um, to innovating new methods for developing and assessing the skills of industry workforce, and especially in developing instructional methods and leveraging technology to maximize efficiency, increase transparency, um, build learner engagement um, in that in their own development, and then of course the effectiveness of the training. Um, what I'm focused on currently is expanding access um, with interactive training and having it be embedded into the workflow of the, the employee's work day, um, as opposed to it being something that you have to kind of dig up and go find for yourself. So that's sort of what I'm focused on. And I'm excited about the future. Um, we're in the midst of tremendous change um, as we explore introducing um, and refining new AI and chat GPT technologies in property management. And for my little space of learning and development, uh, that's a very exciting proposition. And so we're already experimenting with it and um, excited about it and cautiously optimistic. Um, uh, my sort of perspective, I, I live by the Rotary motto, service above self. Um, I'm While I'm committed to being a lifelong learner and continuously developing my own skills, I spend a great deal of my time supporting the development of other industry professionals, um, just people around the building, people that I meet along the way. And um, I, I just want to help build their skills, their attitudes, uh, their behaviors that they need to succeed and um, where they're where they want that sort of assistance. So I tend to have a lot of sort of organic mentees around Yardi and beyond. And and I I I find that I learn more by being collaborative in that way. Um, I've been benefited personally by um, some key relationships that I've had with professionals who chose to invest in me. And I'm so thankful for that with their encouragement, um, the great challenges they introduced to me that just simply stretched me and, and helped me to be a better, a better Patty Evans. And so I'm really thankful for these relationships and um, they, they continue to strengthen me. These, these people continue to pour into me uh, from time to time, maybe a little bit less often at this point in my career, but they still do check in and, and I'm grateful for that. And what I think that their, their, their introduction into my life at this point is they give me a lasting model that I can use to turn around and provide effective mentorship with others. And so that, that uh, tends to be a, a gift that keeps on giving in that way. Um, so I, I guess that's a little bit about me. Um, some things that I really learned along the way um, is that nothing's owed to me at all. Uh, you know, you think you have a role, but it can be stripped quickly and easily. And that just introduces opportunity. 
for you if you if you look at it that way and receive it with positivity. Um, other things is just to assume positive intent. It's, it's a, a famous quote that one of my best mentors, Becky Sanvictoris, has uh, really lived by and, and reminded all of us of. And uh, I really appreciate that tidbit that she shared and uh, helped me really adopt. Um, also being um, consistent and doing your best every day. Um, investing in relationships within the organization and beyond. And I think the last piece is just really living out um, servant leadership, but not just um, serving an individual, but really looking for win-win-wins where you can uh, find ways to impact a larger audience than maybe what was originally planned. And so I think those are kind of the values that I'm I'm really focused on and and, and trying to live by. I, I love that, Patty, and, and something that you said as we were getting to know each other prior to this panel is, is your investment in people, and I think, wow, what a fantastic background to have, especially when you're focused on learning and development, and you talked a little bit about learning equity, which I think is something that, um, you know, we've heard thrown around, but I, I'd like to get your perspective on learning equity, and I think our audience would really appreciate that as well. Yes, I think that there's uh, a lot of merit in in the journey that we've had, particularly over the last five years. Um, there's there's been huge developments in the way that we value employees that are in in, um, in our midst um, as leaders of organizations. I think that it's it's important to recognize that you know neurodiversity uh, has has a has a broad impact on the ability for employees to succeed. In, in our roles, and so providing, um, you know, training and supportive uh, tools and resources that people can lean into to be able to learn in the way that they want, at the time that they want, in the method that they need, really to succeed is is really critical. And I think making uh, these items accessible and and inviting people to have the the dedicated time to leverage them, as well as the encouragement that they need to really rise to the occasion and and accept learning as, as a challenge that's going to build them. So I think equity to me really means giving people choices and learner autonomy that's ideally curated for them, um, but, but making sure that it's available and present and that they have the right to take advantage of it. Oh, I think that's fantastic, Patty. And I think, you know, something that we can all think about in our organizations, uh, whether our panelist organizations or our audience organizations, is how we really push that forward. Because I think that is an important part of, um, of the commercial real estate journey and to really continue to improve our industry as a whole. So thank you so much for being a leader in that space and for your perspective on that. I'm actually going to ask all of our panelists to come back. Uh, this time has flown. I know that you all may not believe it, but we just have a very, very few minutes left. Um, so I am going to quickly ask the panel, you get 30 seconds, 30 seconds uh, to share one piece of advice for our audience. And Karen, we'll start with you. 30 seconds. All right. Um, ask yourself. What drives you? What motivates you? I think that if we pause, ask yourself that and recalibrate, we can understand how, you know, what we want to do, maybe not next, but two steps down the road, how we can drive impact. And it can get us through maybe those hard times or barriers are put in front of us, but we know what we're 
trying to accomplish. I love that. Thank you so much. Lisa, you're next. This is a hard one. I think I would summarize what I say a lot and people joke is going to be on my tombstone is play the movie forward. So when you're thinking about making a decision, um, play it forward short and long term, whether it's a conversation or a business strategy and, and try to really walk it through what the impact will be to your business, to your team, and of course, to your clients. And, and that'll help you, I think, evaluate whether that conversation or that business decision is the right one. It's not always going to be the right one, but playing the movie forward is something that I really try to do so that we are evaluating the um, potential um, pitfalls or the successes. I love that. And I, when, when we were talking prior to this, I actually wrote that down because I think that is such an important thing to remember. So I hope everybody has that as a good takeaway. Uh, Abby, what about you? What advice can you share in your 30 seconds? 30 seconds. So I'll say our CFO also says to us, what's the end of the movie? Anytime we bring something to him. So <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, <laughs> I think it's real important to build relationships in your organization, like find your trusted partners and work with them and establish that trust with your other business partners. Cause that's what at the end of the day is going to make you more successful when people want to want to come to you and want to bring you problems so that you can figure out like, what can we do to make this better? Um, and I sometimes can be an overlooked skill. So I think everybody can focus more on that. I love that. Thank you so much. And uh, it's it's funny. A lot of times people are like, all right, but so what does this mean? What's what's going to happen? So <laughs> I think that's a really good point. Your CFO sounds like a no nonsense kind of person. Vidya, yeah. what about you? I would like to work-life balance. Um, I think as women, we all have a lot of demands on our uh, time, both personal and professional. So you can have it all, but perhaps not all at the same time. So my uh, my advice would be uh, be confident. Career is a journey, right? Uh, depending on the stage of life that you're in, choose the right balance. I like that. I like that. And and I think several several of the panelists have also talked about that. And and you know, as as Brittany was saying, you know, trying to figure out where those boundaries are and uh, and you know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. So thank you for emphasizing that, Vidya. And Brittany, we'll pass it over to you. Um, I would say um, you know, from the get-go, you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the the time and the effort, and you have to. You have to earn what what you want. Um, and so while you've got to put in the work, also not being afraid to ask for what you want um, would be the advice that I would give. Yes, I think that's important. Too often we're we're afraid of the no, I think, and, and it's important that we that we not be afraid to speak up. So that is fantastic advice, Brittany. Jennifer, what about you? Let's see, I would say um know your superpower and be really picky about the teams that you choose to be a part of. So I think that, uh, of course, you as an individual uh, matter a lot in your own success, but the environment you find yourself in and the people around you matter just as much. And so being really thoughtful about uh, those trusted team members along the way that you have accountability and are really excited to push each other um, have those hard, honest conversations would be my my piece of advice. 
Yes, I think that is so important. The, the people around you can make all the difference in the world. And Patty, I'll have you wrap us up. Yes, well, I am a competitive person by nature. <laughs> I'm the person on the team that strives to know more, do more, be more, 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 more. And there are certainly times when stepping up is the right thing and the necessary thing to do. But in times of challenge, you know, your work style and attitude can be particularly challenging um, and limiting. And so, for instance, during the initial months of COVID, I was tasked with building technological solutions um, that didn't exist prior um, for our suddenly remote workforce. And um, what I learned along that process was working harder and achieving more, particularly if you're moving so fast that you're leaving others out of the project, it often results in, in limited outcomes. And so that habit that I had of working harder doesn't always give you the opportunity to work creatively and build collaboration. And, and unfortunately, it really doesn't help with being innovative. So uh, I think, you know, just slowing down and making sure that you're including other people in that journey so that you can produce better outcomes is, is my advice. Wonderful, thank you so much, Patty. And Chuck, we'll turn it back over to you. About that, timing was perfect, right? Uh, some key takeaways that I have, God, I feel like I'm blessed among women. I, I, something, uh, beautiful, beautiful stories. You guys did wonderful job. I got to know some of you a little bit better. Um, career is a journey. Great, I love that. Um, if it's something smells, doesn't you know? It doesn't pass a smell test or doesn't feel right. Speak up. How many times do we hear that? Servant leadership. One of my mottos. The heart of a teacher. Um, and win, win, win. I think you, 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 when you're true to yourself and you're true to the people around you, that uh, turns into a, a win all the way around. So uh, fantastic. Great to get to know all of you so much better. And uh, I so appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, I. It's always good to put a name with a face. I know we're on video and not person to person. So that's what's great about the RealCom conferences. So I always encourage people to participate in those as well. I, I just want to thank all of you really for your valuable contributions today. They were so sincere, so heartfelt, so personal. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll have to do this again. This was like any other webinar we've ever done before. Uh, and so we really enjoyed putting it on and, and we'll continue to have these types of conversations. And I would say to our, our, our live audience and our viewing audience, if you're looking at this with a recording, uh, I hope you get a lot out of this and I hope you share it with other people um, and, and perhaps share it with your teenage children. Maybe that was some other good advice on here to say, look, uh, th this is possible. Great things are possible here and you can learn a lot from these mentors and their origin stories whether they're superheroes or even a little villainous it's okay you can still learn a lot and still move forward so uh great great thoughts and really do appreciate it so uh whether you've joined us for uh, this live session or you're tuning in just be sure to register for our next uh, webinar series it's operational technologies that are changing the built environment uh, the first one being understanding sensors and IoT devices. That's on August 24th. Uh, cutting edge operation technologies on September the 7th. You can see another a, a lot another large group of voices and uh, experts in our industry. 
So uh, always a lot to learn, and that's what we strive to do with these webinars. So that's it for us today. Thank you again to all of our panel. Thank you, Susan. Uh, always great working with you, and uh, we really do enjoy it. Be safe. That's it for us. Thanks again. Thank you.